Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm in today for Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me. Steve is in San Jose conducting portfolio reviews for our Invest Talk listeners, and you probably wonder why he's always up in San Jose in the Bay Area. Well, it's where our you might be listening to us on podcast, but our live radio station is up in Silicon Valley. So just kind of an FYI there. So I'm on duty here today, and right at the start of the program, I want to make it clear that our daily objective is to make you an above-average investor, to help you achieve whatever goals you have. And in order to do that, you need to be making smarter decisions. You need to not be caught up in the decision-making process that most average investors have, and that tends to be with emotion, right? Uh, and focusing on things that are too short-term, uh, things that are, are biased, right? Using their biases, like maybe their political bias to buy and sell, and that happens a lot as well. Now, along the way, I also welcome your questions on the show to get through to Invest Talk. You can call our anytime listener line at 888 chart. That's 888-992-4278. And the market opened generally up today. Uh, we had sell-off and then a rally closed near the high of the day. The Dow was up about 200 points, and the S&P was only up about one half a percentage point, uh, and the NASDAQ just gained a little bit. So uh, overall, the, the market was driven by the Dow on the upside, and that usually is not a good thing. You want the NASDAQ and small caps leading, and that just didn't happen, to be honest with you. So uh, that's kind of what the market was today. Now, here's a pop quiz for you. Question, are Americans becoming more pessimistic or optimistic about the economy? And the answer is more pessimistic. According to a new Gallup poll, which claims that Americans' outlook for the economy has soured in the past two months, with 48% of respondents now admitting that they feel economic conditions are worsening. And confidence about the job hunting uh, market, though, stayed steady. About 66% say it's a good time uh, to go out and, and, and job hunt. So people think they can get a job, but overall the economy, especially the housing market, it, it's very pessimistic and you know, understandable. What's interesting to me is I actually think that the recent drop in mortgage rates should be be helping the housing market. What's odd about the December number when it came to uh, existing home sales was it was much weaker than expected. And, you know, we didn't 
we didn't see the lower mortgage rates really improve the optimism of home buyers. So I thought that was interesting. Now, shares of IBM rose the most in a decade uh, today. Uh, their fourth quarter results beat analyst estimates. And this is a good example of the market getting too pessimistic on a particular name and then just having a pretty decent quarter and the stock pops. Uh, you know, and that happens the other way around, right? You have stocks being bid up because of optimism around the name and suddenly, you know, earnings were good, but they weren't quite as good. And so stock falls dramatically. So this is kind of that in reverse. Okay. Now, also going back to my favorite topic, which is Tesla, they're uh, increasing charging prices for electric vehicles. Why? Well, they need money. And to me, uh, you know, they, they need to raise about a billion dollars because their debt for March is coming due. Uh, and there, it's a convertible debt. It needs to be paid off because the convertible conversion price isn't above where the price is now. Now we're at uh, 200 and uh, where are we at? 200 and is it 80 something dollars today? I don't remember the exact number. Let me take a look at this. Where are we? Anyway, I can't find it right now. But anyway, uh, it's definitely uh, below that conversion price. And to me, with Tesla, what is happening here is someone else is starting to become in charge besides Elon. Uh, they're starting to admit that they are having trouble with production and sales, that they laid off workers, uh, they're raising prices. And this is typically what happens when you have a turnaround consultant come into the company, right? The first thing they do are they raise prices when they can and they cut costs. Right? So what prices can you raise? Well, they raise the price of the X and S by cutting off of the lower end model. Uh, they are laying off workers. Uh, they're, they're charging more for their supercharging stations. This is all a sign that they're trying to boost cash flow levels so that they can stay in business. And if that doesn't solve the problem, then you go through a bankruptcy and restructuring. So I think we're getting to the latter stages of the Tesla story, uh, at least in this iteration, right? They're going to go bankrupt, they'll reorganize, and there'll be new shareholders and uh, a new constituents of, uh, of leaders within the company. Uh, maybe they get bought by a larger, uh, in bankruptcy, by a larger automaker, which I could certainly see happening. But it looks like we're in the latter stages of the Tesla story. Now, Starbucks is also expanding its delivery service to five more cities, including San Francisco and Chicago. It's been testing it in Miami, and they'll have 95% of your core menu available at some point. I think this is really big uh, because I think this is where everything is going. You know, the, the large people are wanting delivery. They want on demand and they don't want to go out and do it themselves. And, you know, with Uber and, and uh, Uber Eats and all these services for delivery, these big chains are going to have to compete, uh, and this is what you're seeing. All right, I think that's good enough for the day. Just to kind of quick wrap up on the day, let's go to Ron in New Jersey. He's looking at SYF, which is Synchrony Financial. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm well. Uh, so Justin, you want to talk about syn Synchrony, correct? Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, Justin, can you hear me? Yes, I can. 
Oh, sorry about that. Uh, so the question I have for you on Synchrony was I actually bought this stock a couple of years ago. Uh, I had a decent run, and then the Walmart news hit, uh, and then I just decided to sell out of my position, and I stayed on the sidelines on this name till I figured out what is going on with Walmart. Now, looks like today they came out with positive news on the Walmart front in terms of uh, transferring that over to Capital One, and then the question on Sam's Club continuing with Synchrony was also addressed. Looks like it's going to continue. Uh, so the stock popped almost 9%, if I'm not wrong. Um, so that, mm-hmm. that's on the good front. The, the, the negative front that still worries me a little bit uh, is the overall uh, delinquency rate as far as credit cards are concerned. While I didn't look at anything specific in Synchrony, but I know in the American Express result that came out, they said that the delinquency went up a little bit. Um, so that's one that worries me. And the other thing that worried me, uh, was I know GE still owns a big portion of Synchrony, uh, and I don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to go ahead and sell some of the stocks uh, to raise money and if that's going to create some selling pressure or not. So this is generally where I am today in Synchrony. I wanted to get your thought in terms of if I should start buying now, should I sit on the sidelines? I uh, wanted to get your take on it. Uh, I don't. I would not be buying Synchrony. The the news, the positive news, is already out. Uh, like you said, we're having. Uh, you're seeing with other credit card issuers, uh, Capital One's another one that had uh, higher charge offs, and we're at the end of the economic cycle. So what do when 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 layoffs start to increase, when the economy starts to go down, what do people first do? They stop paying on their credit cards, uh, and you're going to start to see that even more. So uh, I I don't think I would be. Uh, investing in synchrony uh, at these levels, uh, after, especially after this pop. Now they pay a dividend. The dividend looks relatively safe, but it's a very cyclical business. So uh, I am not a fan of synchrony or any of the credit card uh, issuers right now because the the like you said the charge offs are only likely to increase, which are going to be a hit to earnings. Uh, and yeah, this is a, a positive news. They kept their their, their business, uh, but overall, uh, you can't really change. They're not going to be able to change the economic trajectory that we're on. So uh, I would stay away from Synchrony. Thanks for the call, Ron. Now, this is Invest Talk, and I'm Justin Klein. Now, is your portfolio as strategically balanced as it should? Do you know how to make money in a bear market? If not, or if you are unsure, I invite you to contact myself or Steve at KPP Financial. We specialize in unbiased investment advice. You can call our Dana Point office or get us get a message through to investtalk.com. Our anytime listener line never closes. It's open for you right now. I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? You can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. Steve Peasley is in San Jose today meeting with InvestTalk listeners, and Justin Klein is here now taking your questions. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. So you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now our main talking point today is a billionaire hedge fund manager 
Seth Klarman, to be exact, has issued a dire warning on the global economy at the World Economic Forum, also known as Davos. In his sobering letter, cautioned investors about the economic impact of global tensions, rising debt, and the pervasive political divide. And we're going to talk about that. Also, what happens to earnings when the economy slows? I'm going to go back to the early 2000s, which is, I think, the most uh, recent analog. Everyone looks at the, the, the last recession and thinks this, is, this next recession is going to be similar. I really don't think it is. I think it's going to be much more similar to 2000 to 2003, more drawn out, more focused on particular sectors of the economy, etc. But we're going to talk about what happened from Q2 2000, right after the peak in the, uh, the, the, the NASDAQ, into the second quarter of 2001, and what happened to earnings as well, which I think is going to be very, very interesting. Also, are Americans too confident about retirement? We're going to talk about that. What are the sobering numbers? What kind of steps you can take to make sure that you aren't overestimating your ability to retire? And then lastly, the government continues to be shut down. What impact is that going to have on the economy in the short term and what might ha have in the long term as well? So that's ultimately what's on my docket for today. But I want to hear from you. I want to know what is on your mind. I want to know really what's keeping you up at night. What is in your portfolio that maybe you think you shouldn't hold or maybe you think you should add to it? Or there's a, a particular investment that you're looking into to add to your portfolio to make it stronger, grow faster, and be more prepared for this economic downturn that you know is 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 coming is here really so you're listening to invest talk i'm justin klein let me remind you that the invest talk radio program and podcast replay provides your daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary and we have a new offering it's called invest talk academy it's an online training class covering a wide variety of financial and investment subjects it's very in-depth you can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. But we are headed into a break, and I'm taking your questions now at 888-99-CHART. You're listening to Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? You can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta. He's asking about L Brands. Yeah, um, so I'm currently holding in my portfolio. Um, I was kind of expecting a better uh, Q4 from them. Um, I, I thought they were going to be up like the last end of the year, but December kind of uh, killed the stock, and I'm still holding, and I'm curious uh, to get your opinion on it. Uh, yeah, we're still holding as well. We still like the name. Uh, you know, it, It's definitely come down pretty dramatically from close to $100 a share back in 2015, now we're in the what twenty seven dollars a share. Actually, had a decent close to the day, uh, up a 
43 cents and it does yield about four and a half percent they did cut their dividend recently uh, but their revenues are up six percent year over year last quarter which is a uh, much improved from where it was in middle to to latter part of 2017 and it's got a still still strong balance sheet it's long-term return on, on equity turn on assets is still very very strong and for everybody out there, L Brands is Victoria's Secret and Bed or Bath and Body Works, and Bath and Body Works continues to grow. I think it's a very underrated aspect of their business. Everyone focuses on Victoria's Secret, but Bath and Body Works continues to increase its uh, its sales and its its margins. And I think Victoria's Secret is strong enough of a brand that they'll turn it around. And you just uh, to, you have to be patient. And we we've been collecting a uh, nice dividend on it. And I think you just have to be patient because uh, I, I do think you, I have faith in their in their strategy and their leadership and the brand that it will turn around. And so I'm still holding. We still hold L brands for a lot of our clients, even in a down market. Yeah, even in a down market, because to us the pessimism is so high with this name, right? And so it's it's already built in the the negative aspects to what is happening with the business. You know, they they just cut some lines and that hurt their revenue overall, and and they're certainly trying to battle with online uh, competition and things like that. But they have such they're one of the best brands in the world, and to us this is extremely undervalued at these levels. And it's just like a lot of value plays, you have to be patient with it. Luckily for us and for you, we get paid to wait for that value to really play out, and we think eventually it will. Thanks for the call, Vitaly. That was L Brands. L B is the symbol. Now, our main talking point today is about a, a warning from Davos, uh, the Global Economic Forum, and this is a letter that has been passed around there from hedge fund billionaire Seth Klarman. A lot of people view him as one of the best investors in the world. He, you know, kind of the next Warren Buffett, or some even think he's a better investor than than Warren Buffett. And I would probably agree with that. But he sees some big issues: uh, rising global tensions, debt levels, uh, and, and the sovereign debt mainly, uh, and divisive po politics. You know, you have. Riots in France, Paris, you have uh, upset in Venezuela, you have Brexit, you have obviously the divisiveness here in the U.S. with uh, Trump and, and, and a lot of those on the right as well as uh, fighting against those on the left. Uh, and you you see the rise of populist leaders like, um, what's her name, Cortez or whatever, that that's, she's gotten a lot of uh, publicity since she was uh, elected uh, last fall. So there's a lot of divisiveness that's happening, not just here in America, but this is a global phenomenon, okay? And it really is being driven by the wealth divide. Uh, and that wealth divide has been driven by central bank money printing, right? Where they're buying assets that are inflating asset prices. And who owns asset prices? Well, banks and wealthy people. And that has left a lot of people behind. Uh, and that is creating this global divide throughout the world. And he's asking the question when will markets start to discount this and say this is an issue 
This is a problem that uh, will hold back global growth, global profits, and the debt levels as well, the growing debt levels. Uh, he points out in the U.S. government, debt now exceeds GDP. Uh, Canada, France, Britain, and Spain are all approaching these levels as well. And he sees this as the seeds for the next major financial crisis. And I would agree with him. I think this is a very worrying set of circumstances that we're facing over the next few years. And as the economy kind of drifts back into low speed, uh, it'll be interesting, it's interesting to see what do central banks do? What do global leaders do? Because really... Governments should be adjusting for the changes that we see in the world today, right? With globalization and technology, whatever you see those solutions are, the government should be talking about them. But I don't see them talking about them. Why? Because the economy continues to grow because central banks uh, put liquidity out there, force or, or incentivize people to borrow money and create economic activity. So this is definitely something you all need to keep an eye on and understand that this is an important factor going into the next few years. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, rising incomes have catapulted millions into China's new middle class. A new report claims China is expected to overtake the U.S. as the world's number one retail market in 2019. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where every investor has an opportunity to determine their risk tolerance by using a free online tool at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. Riskalyze offers valuable technology that will pinpoint with unmatched accuracy a client's acceptable level of risk. So know this your first step to greater financial success is taking a short, Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. Steve and Justin can use the results to ensure that the risk in your portfolio becomes aligned with your investment goals and expectations. In other words, your particular financial situation. So why wait? You can get started controlling your investment destiny right now at no cost. Go to the Invest Talk menu link at investtalk.com, scroll down and click on Risk Questionnaire. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888 99 Chart. Yes, my name is Jason from Birmingham, Alabama. I have a question. I'm only able to save approximately $200 a month, which I've been putting into a commission-free ETF to the point where I want to start looking at stocks. My question is, how many shares should you buy at one time? My trade fee is $7, so to buy and then when I come time to sell will be a $14 commission. Um, at $200 a month, if I bought a good $50 stock, you're looking at four shares and that's $7 per trade. So my question is, how many shares per stock should I buy to cover the commission trade and approximately what price range? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 
This is a great question. There's a lot of uh, beginner investors out there, and uh, they might be using Robinhood or some sort of uh, robo-advising app, and many of them use ETFs or mutual funds that don't have trading fees, and that that's great, uh, especially when you're starting out. Uh, he's right to look at commissions, because you don't want to spend $14 uh, to buy $200 worth of a stock, right? Uh, because that just eats up so much of your potential gain. So what I look at it is, if I'm going $14, costing me round trip buy and sell $14, then I want to be at least purchasing $1,400 of a position, right? So 1400 it doesn't matter how many shares it is, because it could be one share, it could be 1,000 shares, it doesn't matter. It's about how much are you investing in that one particular trade. So I don't want that to be more than 1% of the overall value, which would be $1,400, okay? Now, if you don't have that amount, you don't. You obviously want to diversify. You want to have 15, 20 plus names in there. So you're going to need $30,000 or so to really have the proper diversification if you're doing $1,400 plus per position. Now... If you don't have that, and that's fine, everyone starts somewhere. What you you know, using those commission-free ETFs, which a lot of the brokers have. I know we use TD Ameritrade. There's some commission-free ETFs. There's nothing wrong with that. But also, when you get to a certain point, $100,000 or more, that's when you start to say, okay, I need to move away from mutual funds, away from ETFs, because you're not seeing the fees that are involved inside those funds, but you're paying them. May not be obvious to you. It's not a line item, but it's you're paying you're paying them. Okay, so that's why when you start to get to that six figure number, anybody out there, that's why you want you want to use individual stocks. You can use ETFs for particular purposes. We use that as well. Maybe you want to short the market or something like that, uh, and you can't get access to exactly what you want. There's nothing wrong with using ETFs sparingly, but if you have a hundred thousand dollars or more, you can afford commissions buy and sell it makes a lot more sense to be buying individual stocks if you know what you're doing. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. He's looking at CXW, the prison REIT, correct? Yes, one of the two prison REITs, yes. Um, mm -hmm. yes. I'm wondering if you think it's a good value and at the current price and if the dividend, if you think it's safe. Okay. Well, this is Civic, uh, Core Civic, I'm sorry, and the symbol is CXW. This is a REITs holding correction detention facilities for federal, state, local authorities in 19 states and District of Columbia. Does yield 9%. Revenues were declining last year, and now they started to increase a little bit, 3 4% the last couple quarters. So that's nice that that's turning around. Uh, management owns a small percentage return equity is 13%, which is decent. Uh, and it's it's come down a lot, right? 52-week high is $26.09, and now it's at 19.10. So it's down about 27% from its 52-week high, yielding that 9%, which is nice. Now, uh, the big question is, is that 9% sustainable? Well, they're Pay ratio is 127%, which isn't shocking for a REIT. It's usually very, very high. Their cash dividend pay ratio is 78%, which is 
is nice and solid for uh, this type of, uh, of name. Now, there's certainly some going to be some headwinds from legalization of marijuana, uh, criminal criminal justice reform that uh, I believe is still working its way through Congress. Obviously, not now that the government shut down, but I think eventually will. Uh, so I think a lot of the pessimism is built into it. And I actually like it here. Uh, I would def it's definitely higher risk on average than your average stock, but I do like it uh, at these levels. And I do think that that is sustainable as long as the criminal justice reform doesn't change the full dynamic of the prison population, which frankly, I hope it does. I hope I, I, I don't like that there's so many people incarcerated in America, but uh, it's, uh, it's something that you have to think about in the context of this name. So I do like it, John. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, I've talked a little bit about how the economy is slowing, not just here domestically, but worldwide. And a lot of that has, is driven by over-leveraged um, corporations and, and governments, as well as uh, the, the global tensions, both geopolitically as well as uh, economically with the, the trade war. And... You know, we had, I think, growth somewhere around the 4% level sometime last year. I think it was second quarter, third quarter of last year. And now we're slowing, right? We're slowing down to something maybe low twos, maybe high ones uh, coming up in the next, next few quarters. And the big question is, what type of impact does that have on earnings? And you might think that's not a big deal, right? A couple percentage points, not a big deal. Corporations are still going to make a lot of money, then maybe not quite as well, but still pretty well. And there might be some truth to that. But I want to look at an analog, which I think is very similar to where we are today economically and in the market as well. You know, I called this Tech Bubble 2.0. And so let's look back at Tech Bubble 1.0, right? The late 90s and the recession started in the late or early 2000s, right? So Q2 2000, US GDP growth year over year was 5.3%. And it slowly ticked down each quarter after from 4 to 4.1, 3.0, 2.3, and 1.1. So you had growth decelerating very rapidly over those five quarters. And you're going to say, well, the economy is still growing. So earnings are likely that they were still growing, right? Well, you would be wrong. And especially when it comes to technology. Technology stocks are very cyclical. Q2 2000, technology, technology earnings growth was 44% positive. The next quarter, not too bad, 40% positive year over year. But then the fourth quarter of 2000, only positive 9% year over year. Say 9%, decent earnings growth. Well, you get into Q1 2001, negative 32%. Q2 2001, negative 56% year over year. So it just shows you the comps when you're looking at peak earnings, which peak earnings were Q3 2018, I'm sorry, for the S&P as a whole. So what you're starting to get into now for the next few quarters are very tough comps. And those figures that, these companies are trying to compete against. They're trying to compete against themselves at peak earnings, right? Peak conditions, low unemployment, 
tax cuts, uh, GDP growth at 4% or higher. That's optimum. And now what you're seeing is a slowing economy. And part of that has to do with the comps as well. But you're going to have slowing earnings growth as well, which I think is likely to turn negative by the second half of this year. And that's when I think you'll see a little bit more upset in the overall market and concern. So I think that is very, very interesting, something to follow. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with your money in your 401k. And candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends, it's very difficult to know uh, how to allocate your portfolio from month to month, quarter to quarter. Luckily, we can help at KPP Financial. We have a math-based model to guide you. We can monitor and advise you on your 401k each and every quarter. It's called Active 401k. And what it does is it ranks the funds in your plan, the current market conditions, and your risk tolerance, and the fees that are within the fund funds that you are investing in. And then it'll give you quarterly recommendation, recommendations, and you just go and make the changes. It's very simple and works well. You can read more about it at investtalk.com. Now, we still have time to take your investing questions, so give me a call. I want to hear from you. We have roughly, uh, what's that? 10, 12 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to get your call in, do it sooner rather than later at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are ever unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, it may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for their individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. You can call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm in Indiana. I previously owned PCG. I currently own EIX. My question is, I've gotten out of PCG but took a bath on it, and I'm curious, how do you think everything that's going on is going to affect EIX? I understand that the the governmental situation in California and the risk of wildfires probably makes that a risky hold at this point, but I'm also curious as to whether the customers that PCG had, whether they're going to end up having to go to EIX, and as a result, whether they're business will see a boost from this. So I'm just curious on your take, and I would appreciate your answer on the podcast. Thanks for everything you guys do. Bye. All right. He's looking at Edison International, and he's right. Uh, Edison operates in California just like PCG does, uh, or or PG&E. And PG&E is going to go bankrupt uh, because of the terrible, stupid laws uh, that we have here in California about forcing uh, the the claims and the damages uh, onto the utility companies who, you know, may have some faults but are going to burden, be burdened with all of the liabilities. Uh, and that is why PG&E is going bankrupt. I think uh, I read something that based on judges 
decisions, their liabilities, PG&E's liabilities, are going to be $150 billion or upwards of $150 billion. And that's why they're going bankrupt, why they can't afford to stay in business if that's the type of liabilities that they're going to be on the hook for. And frankly, Edison is in the same boat or a similar boat. Uh, they're... While the wildfires in Northern California were uh, more extreme than the ones in Southern California, they were still pretty bad, and there was some uh, a lot of damage and things that could drive Edison in, into into bankruptcy. So, for me, you know, we were in PG&E. We took uh, a loss. Not you know, didn't write it down all the way to bankruptcy, but uh, we took a loss on it as well. And just it shows, you know, it's this isn't a time. This isn't something that I want to mess with anymore. Uh, you know, I thought that the politicians would wake up and maybe they will after the PG&E bankruptcy, but I'm not seeing any evidence that they are to change the laws to, to be better place to do business for utilities like PG&E and Edison. So I would sell Edison and move on. There's other utilities out there that are doing well, especially in this environment. And it's not worth the fight. You know, Edison's yielding four and a half percent. There's plenty of utilities out there that are yielding 4.5% with much, much better uh, uh, laws around where they operate and not having to worry about these huge liabilities that can put them into bankruptcy. So I would sell your Edison, move it into another utility that pays similar or higher dividend and isn't doesn't have to deal with California wildfires and the terrible laws. Let's go to Will in San Diego. He wants to talk about ILMN. Oh, thank you, Justin, for taking my call. I see this as a stock that has a pretty wide moat around it. So I'm wondering what the future would hold for it. Is it, uh, is it a buy, a sell, or a hold? Well, why don't you explain to myself and our audience of why you think they have a, a wide moat. Uh, they're in the medical research facility or area. So why do they have a wide moat? Well, I think their niche in the market, the, I read an article, I think in Barron's, where they said they've got 75% of the market for this type of the genomic testing. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's why I, I say wide moat. Um, gotcha. You know, are they doing that? Is the reason up. because they do it better or cheaper? Or what? why, are, why do they have 75% market share? Well, I think they have proprietary information. Is, gotcha. is uh, okay. the reason. Okay. Well, this is Illumina. They develop integrated systems for the large-scale analysis of genetic variation and biological functions. Uh, no debt, which I like, and $44 billion market cap. Revenues are up 19% year-over-year. Earnings up 37% year-over-year, although that's slowing a little bit from uh, the third quarter of 2000, or sorry, the first quarter of 2018. Uh, and no dividend. You know, I, I like it, uh, but I don't love it because it's not cheap. It's not cheap. But if you hold on to it long enough, it looks like it should grow into uh, this valuation. And But you're going to have to be have a long-term hold and understand that this could have very high volatility. This could easily go down 50%, and you need to have faith in that particular company. So I like it, but you need to be a very long-term holder of this. Thanks for the call. I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, China is expected to overtake the U.S. as the world's number one retail market in 2019. That story tomorrow.
And now, Justin is here for Steve while Steve meets with listeners in San Jose. So, Justin is taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Andre from Jacksonville, Florida. I just got a quick question about KLA 10 Court, ticker symbol KLAC. I just want to get your take on it. It looks like it's got good ROE, 6.5%. Uh, it's got a dividend yield of 3.02%. And second question, what do you guys think about the semiconductors industry going forward in this 2019? I'll be listening to your answer on the podcast. Thank you so much for your show. Thank you for everything you do. All right, first off, uh, thank you for the call. Uh, I'm not that bullish on the semiconductor industry. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it at the moment. You know, it's a very cyclical business. Uh, the the trend has started to go down in semiconductors. It actually peaked well before the overall economy in the last summer, if you look at the SMH. And KLA 10 Core manufactures process control and yield management systems for integrated circuits, nanoelectronics, LED, and data storage. So what they do is they sell the equipment to produce semiconductors. Okay, And they're one of the biggest out there, $14 billion market cap. And you're right that return on equity is very high. The problem with that is that the return on equity is also very, very volatile. Uh, it's not a name that has consistent return on equity. 2009, a negative 20% return on equity. Then it went up to 31 and down to 16, 15, 14. Then spiked recently in 2016 to 156%. Now back down to 63%. So it's all over the place when it comes to its return on equity. So I wouldn't be too tied into that particular number because of how volatile it is. Now, one question you have to ask yourself is, what type of debt do they have? And they don't have any debt, which is good. Their enterprise value is slightly less than their market cap. That's good. Uh, their enterprise, at least net debt. You know, I talk about debt. I'm talking about net debt, cash versus um, long-term debt, etc. Now, their enterprise value to EBIT is eight, which is relatively undervalued, but EBITDA, like I said, is very, very volatile, right? Trailing 12 months, it's 1.7 billion, which is a very nice number, uh, especially for a market cap that's about 14 billion. You're talking about a uh, an EBITDA yield of about 12%. That's very, very nice. But like I said, it's a very cyclical business. It's a, it's, it's a business where uh, EBITDA can be very high one year and the next year it's down a lot. Uh, so for example, 2011, it was at 1.25 billion and it steadily dropped into 2015 in half to about 600 million. Okay, so it's a very volatile name, very volatile industry, yields about 3.3%, and I think that'll, that'll be consistent, but I do think there's more downside to the name. I think this heads back into uh, around the, the $60 to $70 level, now it's at 91 uh, and so I would be patient on it. I do like that you're looking at this and, and these type of names because long term, they are very profitable. I don't think semiconductors are going anywhere. And KLA 10 Court is certainly a name uh, that long term will do well, but in the current environment, probably won't do very hot. Thanks for the call. That was KLAC KLA 10 Core. Now let's go to an article I think was very interesting about the overconfidence uh, in retirement, how 64% of workers surveyed said that they are very or somewhat confident about their financial prospects in retirement. That's up from 60% back in 2016. 
And confidence was even higher for those that were closest to retirement. 71% over age of 55 uh, thought that they were ready for retirement or on track for retirement. The problem is, is that it is an assumption that is usually very wrong. Okay? And many people are not expecting a rough ride in retirement, but they aren't haven't set them as, themselves up for success. So this survey found that the majority of workers haven't even taken the most basic steps to prepare for life after work, such as calculating how much they need to save to live comfortably by, by estimating their expenses in retirement, estimating their social security benefits, going to socialsecurity.gov and finding out what they're likely to get at full retirement age. Okay. So it just shows you that you may feel like you're on track, but you probably haven't done the necessary steps to actually figure that out. You know, that's why you need to sit down with an advisor or do the math yourself and really dial in whether you're on track and how much you should save each year in order to be successful in retirement. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 